You're listening to the Slipcast with Amy and Claire. You're listening to the Slipcast with Amy and Claire. Now it's time for another episode of the Slipcast. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us. This is the Slipcast with Amy and Claire. Oh, switch this it is, up though. Yeah. <laughs> this is Amy. That's Amy. I'm Claire. <laughs> And today, we're really excited to be talking with Emily Reinhardt, the creator and person behind The Object Enthusiast. You can go check her workout on Instagram at The Object Enthusiast. Um, she has a ton of followers, over 100,000 followers, which is wild. <laughs> um, and she makes beautiful work. So I highly suggest going to go check her out if your hands aren't covered in clay um, and you have access to your phone. Go give a look at her Instagram. Um, she makes really beautiful, colorful, functional ceramics um, with a touch of luxury. She puts a lot of gold luster on her pieces. Um, and she also makes some art wall hangings which I've been enjoying uh and they're they're really beautiful lots of different glaze colors um different applications so give that a look and then um just a brief sort of background on how um I know Emily I initially found her work through Etsy back in the day when she was selling on Etsy and um, it was really beautiful. She was making a lot of ring dishes at the time, um, and they were really beautifully decorated with luster. And then I started following her on Instagram, and then we just started talking on Instagram um, and became sort of online friends, which that's the beauty of, of the internet. Um, she also um, is the co-founder or founder, she'll clarify, of Duet and the Ecru Project, which she'll talk about. Um, and we'll link all of this in the show notes so that you can just go there and find all of this information. So, Emily, thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm really happy to be talking to both of you. So this is fun. Yeah. Yeah, we're super excited. Yeah. How, you, how are you doing today? Um, I'm doing good. I just moved to my studio at the start of September, so I'm not back in full production mode yet, which, you know, moving is always so intense. And so I'm ready to have it be done and be organized and get back to making stuff again. Yeah, for sure. Especially Uh, moving a studio. uh, Sorry. Um, Yeah. I can only yeah. imagine because it's your business, you know, so while you're moving it, you can't be actively selling things and moving ceramics, especially just heavy equipment, heavy clay, like I fragile props to things. You. Yeah. 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 Molds. I think molds are the worst thing to be moving. Really? You can't, yeah. you can't really like pack them in a box because they're so heavy on their own and yeah. they're dirty and it's just like. Oh my gosh, my car needs some serious vacuuming. So yeah, and they're fragile too. If you yeah 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 yeah, wow. that's a lot. Yeah, um, and you're in Kansas City now. 
I am. This is my hometown. Um, I moved away after college for about 10 years and decided to move back five years ago. Um, it feels like I just got here still somehow, but I've been here and settled for a while. <laughs> yeah. Nice. That's awesome. That's so cool. Did you think when you were younger that you would be living in Kansas as an adult? I, well, and I'm actually in Missouri, so I'm Oh, sorry, 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 Missouri Kansas City. City. That's okay, but <laughs> I mean, Kansas City- Good to clarify. And Kansas City, Missouri, we're like, we're basically all one city. It's, there's okay. hardly a distinction when you're here, but um, I don't think I thought I would be living here. I, I don't know what I imagined, but I also didn't imagine I would be a full-time ceramicist, so <laughs> I don't, I don't know what my plans were way back then. <laughs> Yeah. What did you want to be when you like were growing up? What was your, where did you think you were going to be? I was really interested in interior design. Um, So it kind of, I guess, goes a little hand in hand. It's more of like the stuff side of things now instead of um, actually designing spaces. But Mm -hmm. I went to Kansas State University and the interior architecture program was really competitive and I, I, my grades wouldn't have let me in easily. Um, so I was kind of, I just kind of shifted to the art department out of feeling rejected by the other one. And, um, Perfect. It all Perfect place for you. Best, so. <laughs> I, know, yeah. I know. I was, it's funny that it wasn't my first choice, but it ended up being the right choice. So. Yeah. I love those sort of winding roads that you go down when you're just living your life. And then you look back and you're like, it's kind of like when you have a conversation and you end up on a topic and then you backtrack as to like how you ended up on that topic. And it's always wild. I know. I know (laughs) what led me here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So when did you start speaking about like the art department in your school? Like, did you start working in ceramics in school? Was it after? Can you talk a little bit about like how you got involved with ceramics and clay? Mm -hmm. I I mean, I definitely had those early elementary school projects in Mm -hmm. art class that revolved around clay. Um, But it wasn't until college I had recently gone through like the fine arts um they call at k-state they called it concentration admission review where you apply to your department within the art department so for me it was photography Mm -hmm. so I had like you know a kind of a collection on the wall and um probably an essay was included and and then I was accepted into photography and I could you know see that out as my major um and for my photography major, I needed like a three-dimensional, mm. like ceramics one basically was required. So I was in ceramics class and loved my teacher and just, it's not like I was naturally good at it, but I loved it and wanted to get better at it and wanted to be in the studio after hours. And um, I had an amazing group of teachers between grad students and my professors um it was just such a great college experience for me and so I remember it was like my ceramics one teacher she was a grad student her name was Amanda Small and 
she just loved clay so much and she just had that infectious personality. Um, and so kind of through her love of it, I was more and more in love with it. And, um, my, there was my professor Yoshi who, um, you know, his health had been kind of failing him. He'd had a few strokes and, um, was, you know, nearing retirement age. And so he wasn't in the studio as much as my experience with Amanda and the other grad students was, but, um, so I didn't know him very well, but he walked by one of my projects and he was like, Hey, that's pretty good. And um, like, as soon as he left, Amanda was like, Oh my God, he never says that to anyone. Like oh you should God. go, you should go change your major. <laughs> <laughs> And I think I did like probably that day. I was like, so, it, it was all I needed, and I was just like, okay, I'm in. Let's do. This. I love that story. Wow. That's so yeah. good. Just a tiny little push. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And Yoshi was like not a rule follower either. So mm. when he like it was like a legal pad, a yellow piece of paper that just was like, Emily can be a ceramics major, and he was oh like, take that, take that to the office, and. <laughs> Um, I take it to the office and you're supposed to like go through the whole concentration admission review process again, if you're going to change your major. And so just because Yoshi wrote it on this piece of paper, they allowed me to skip it. And I was just like in, Uh, so thank you, Yoshi. I know. I know. Yoshi is like my, you know, ceramics guardian angel because it was also, it was like two years it was probably about a year after I graduated when he retired and I'd stuck around town and had a job at a restaurant and um, his wife and him were getting ready to move to Oregon. And so I think I kind of helped them do some work around their house and was just kind of helping them pack and clean out the studio. And um, when they moved away, he gave me his kiln and his wheel and a lot of equipment and tools and supplies that I needed and he was just like you worked really hard and I liked knowing you and working with you and you can have this stuff and so that's how I started my business truly holy shit that story just got like 10 times better I know I have this like little framed photo of Yoshi in my studio and it's like I kind of have built this altarpiece for him and because he he passed away in 2015, so um, yeah. it, it I just wish I could talk to him about all of this because yeah, yeah. It, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be able to do this. Wow, yeah. that's so incredible. Well, and his energy is still with you for sure. You know, so yeah, I don't have that kiln anymore. Um, but you know, it's just knowing that he saw something in me and yeah. Um, and, I, you know, all of school, I was just kind of intimidated by him and mm-hmm. not like afraid of him, but just very shy and like nervous around him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was just because of his stature as a master, you know, mm-hmm. and, and kind of that um, that air oh. about someone who knows. Yeah, they know so much about it and mm-hmm. so much more than you. And mm-hmm. you're just so drawn by it. And. Yeah. What kind of work did he, did he make? Um, a lot of sculptural work. Um, I actually, it was in college. I worked at an art gallery and I saved up my whole paycheck 
to buy one of his sculptures. So, I, and I ended up, then I ended up winning one of his wife's sculptures at a raffle and amazing. Um, they also gave me a gift of one of his sculptures after they moved away. And, and it was just one of those things where I was like, I had no idea you liked me. And, and the <laughs> fact that like you even like, I, I felt like just another student, just another mm-hmm. undergrad. Um, but he, you know, he kind of, showed me in the end that he did he saw it the whole time and mm-hmm. it was just kind of but his work is you know he's a traditional his name is Yoshi Akita mm-hmm. I K E D A um and he you know a lot of i mean the forms are very abstract it's in the other room i would go get it but i don't want to hold us up um <laughs> you can look it up it's I'll it, look it he's, up. Yeah. he's incredible yeah, yeah he's wonderful um but yeah, I think about him every day. So that's amazing. That's, amazing. that's so good. I love yeah. that. Wow. Everyone should be so lucky to have a Yoshi. <laughs> yeah. I know. I think about, you know, and I, my other professors were just as incredible in different ways. Um, Dylan Beck was my teacher at the time. And his, you know, I, there was a semester where I was his studio assistant and I got to go with him to install shows. I got to sit with him while he answered emails to, you know, galleries or group shows, things he was part of, and um, learned a lot about slip casting and working in a completely different way than Yoshi works. Um, and and he was closer to my age, definitely, than Yoshi was. But um, so we kind of had a friendship too. And it, you know, his, his wife would invite me over for dinner and we'd get to hang out. And that was another moment where I was like, man, I'm like the luckiest undergrad. I get to like Mm -hmm. hang out with my professor on the weekends and (laughs) I've Mm -hmm. seen their house and like, and then, you know, Yoshi's whole thing. And so I, I know that I'm where I am because of the teachers I had and uh, the people who pushed me and inspired me and grad students at K-State played a big role in teaching undergrads. Yeah. Um, so they were just as equally as powerful to me through that three years that I was part of the ceramics department. Amazing. So did you start the object enthusiast sort of when Yoshi gave you those kilns? It was like a year or so after school. Yeah, I did. It was, I think it was 2012, 2011 when I like filed a, with the IRS, I think. And I nice. got your EIN. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> I don't know what to do with this, but I have it. Um, and I was like, I had a, there was an artist in Manhattan, Kansas, where I went to school, who I was her studio assistant one summer. And she would kind of um, let me use her kilns and stuff. Cause I didn't have the space actually at this time, Yoshi hadn't even given me his equipment yet, but I was kind of just still hanging around town. And, um, I worked with her and she let me use her studio and her kilns when I wasn't working. And so I kind of just started an Etsy shop with my school from work from school, sorry, my work from school. <laughs> And then um, the work that I was starting to make at Joyce's studio. And, and then it was, I moved to Wichita briefly. And that's kind of when Yoshi gave me his equipment. And 
I was doing, uh, my kiln was in the garage and my studio was in my basement. Um, and I worked at a credit union part-time as their social media coordinator. Um, and that was a very, that was my only real job I've ever had other than waitressing and stuff in school. Waitressing is a real job. Yeah. It talk is. to Annie about it. It is a hard job. Yeah. I mean, let me, I'm glad you corrected me because what I meant was like a job that I held not as a student and not oh, okay, like okay. as a, you know, weekend thing. So this was like, yeah. get dressed up, go to the office and sit yeah. at the cubicle. And, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was not the right job for me, but I learned five. a lot. Yeah. I learned a lot about marketing and, um, and, and then I was starting just to make new work outside of the work I'd done in school. So it did, it was like, I mean, I want to say, yeah, so I must have started it in 2011, right after I graduated. And then I was working still in 2012 for Joyce. And then I moved to Wichita sometime in 2012. Um, and then I moved to Omaha after that. And that's where I was like, I'm just going to try to not, like, when I moved there, I was like, this. I'm going to try to just push the ceramics thing. Because I was getting enough wholesale requests or, you know, individual sales on Etsy where I was like, this is, you know, maybe mm -hmm. I could turn this into something. Mm -hmm. That's funny. Cause that's the year that I started working for Etsy. That, okay. And then, I mean, we must've connected very early into my yeah. time on Etsy and yeah. I don't even remember when Etsy was created. Do you know? I that? think it was 2005. Also, I want to say 2005. It might have been 2007, but I, I get those two confused because I think 2007 was around the time where I started like just going on as a as a lurker just to check out the website. And a see lurker. Yeah, <laughs> I would just it, it was my homepage for a really long time. I was living in France at the time and I didn't realize that you could be a seller on the site in France, um, because it wasn't, you know, in French or, you know, a lot of the sellers yeah. were in the United States. Um, and I would just go on there and look at things and create treasuries and like, you know, oh, yeah. it's on, mean, on the front page and it'd be such a big deal. Yeah. Also I know. to put it in context, YouTube and Facebook both came out in 2005. Yeah, so I think so that it was right sense. around then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it was founded in, in Brooklyn around 2005, yeah. Feels like just yesterday. Yeah, I know. It's it was years. It was 2005, because I remember still working at Etsy uh, in 2015, and there, it was the 10-year anniversary, so okay. uh, 15 years, yeah, which wow. is wild. Yeah. It is. I remember like <laughs> being young and hearing people our age talk about like how time flies, and I'm yep. like, yeah, right. I I'm what I don't, like. I didn't, I didn't believe that because I was like, time goes so slow, and I'm so right. sick of school and whatever. And now I'm just like, oh my god, I'm one of those people. God, remember when summer vacations as a kid were just would drag on, and it felt like a whole year of summer vacation. You yes, could wait to go back to school. At least for me, I'd be like, oh, get me out of here. I'm done with summer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, it's crazy. Yeah, time. Uh, but yeah, Etsy was an amazing way for me to start my business because it mm -hmm. was 
you know, it, for me at the time, I was like, I just want to sell work that I made in school. Mm-hmm. And I have all this, like, I'm kind of dabbling basically mm-hmm, at the time. Mm-hmm. So I was like, let's just try it. Yeah. And, and it was almost immediate. It was, mm-hmm. and I, 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 I have, I haven't updated my Etsy site in a while. It's still on vacation mm-hmm. mode right now. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to get it going again because I still have an audience there and mm-hmm. um, enough followers of my shop where if I had us like a, a separate collection. set of inventory, yeah, or yeah. a different collection for yeah. that. And I wanted to talk to you about that too, because I've thought about it myself. Um, and, you know, for all of those people out there who are not, selling their stuff on Etsy, it's worth giving it a try because it is a website that people come to, to I just... don't know. I have to say, I feel like I put up some stuff on there maybe like a year ago and paid for like four months and had nothing happen. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's because now it's so saturated or because maybe no one wanted my shit, but mm-hmm. I feel like it was like not like literally nothing. Mm. I I had the same observation because in the beginning that was my only avenue of selling my work and mm-hmm. it was going pretty well and that and when I say the beginning for me that was like 2012 or 2013 yeah. Yeah. and um I do think you're right about the oversaturation because when I type in like handmade mug the type of stuff that comes up is not a nice handmade ceramic mug it's like a a screen printed just mm. blank or mm-hmm. a custom whatever on a mug. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's really, unless you know, which I don't know much about SEO and all the keywords I should be using mm-hmm. to turn up in searches. Um, but ceramic, I, you would think ceramic mug would be at least one of them. Right. I know. It, yeah. Like I remember it was, I, I had logged out of the site and was like trying to organically find my own products mm-hmm. by keywords. And it, it was impossible. Like I couldn't find them on, at least not on like a, a top listing or a something that would catch someone's attention when they're looking for stuff. Yeah. Well, that's a shop that you say you already have followers. So you would think it would be more likely to be promoted. Right. I can't remember the exact number. I think it's like, and and this is people who favorited my shop. Mm-hmm. And so I think, I mean, it's more than 10,000. Oh, and so wow. yeah. for me, that feels like that should be a second avenue that is just bonus sales mm-hmm. in addition to my website. Um, but it's super slow. It, like I'm when I, this was about a year and a half ago where, or two years ago when I had like employees and I had, you know, I think there were five of us working full time at, at the object enthusiast. And so I was doing Etsy and I was, I had my own site and I was doing wholesale and Etsy was probably like one sale a week or something. It it was just right. Nothing to hang my hat on at the time. So, yeah, I think it does. I think though, if you're just starting off and you don't want to build a whole entire website and you don't have a ton, like you don't have a lot of uh, social media presence, it is a good way just to like dabble in it and get mm-hmm. just kind of get an idea of what that process looks like. Even if you're not making organic, like sales organically, it is a 
something that you could put on a business card and hand to somebody. Yeah, for yeah. Sure. They're like, I really like the cup you made. And then you can be like, oh, you can go to my Etsy shop and buy it without, right. it's not like a huge ask investment. Or investment on your behalf. And for me, I think for people that are just starting off, I think it's a good way to start um, still. And the reason why I was thinking about creating also just like a collection of things where I have the inventory, it's nothing's made to order, but separate for Etsy is because Etsy also invests a lot of money in like Google ads and SEO for its sellers. Mm -hmm. And then the people that are going on that website are searching for something handmade um, and, you know, one or one of a kind or so I think that there is, there are pros and cons and I think it's not, it's worth trying if you're just starting. I think at this stage, I'm kind of like, well, I'll just try to do it through my website and because I'm doing wholesale stuff. But if you're just starting off, especially with something like ceramics, you can take a picture of one thing, put it up there and just wait. And it can be made to order. You don't even have to have it in inventory. Um, Right. And the back end of Etsy is so like step-by-step and they've built mm -hmm. it out to be very user-friendly and Mm -hmm. for me what starting on that Mm -hmm. made building my own website a little easier because I kind of understood like what all I should include in my descriptions Mm -hmm. and in Mm -hmm. in you know all the buttons and yeah I don't don't do that you don't think about yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. And Etsy has had some beautiful commercials lately on TV. Yes. And really? I see yep. I see people's work on there where I'm like, oh, I follow over on Instagram, right? Mm-hmm. I've seen that person's stuff on mm-hmm. online multiple times. And yeah, yeah, they've upped their game a lot in the past couple of years. And I have seen the ads and it makes me excited because it's also the way that it's being seen now is that it's a place to buy beautiful curated goods or not even curated but just beautiful like especially now with quarantine um because we're in quarantine right now for future people um out there (laughs) we're currently all in quarantine and um well I don't know technically if it still is called quarantine but we're in the middle of a pandemic and people are still at home and they're decorating their home with new items and they want something that's not necessarily like big box store and they have time to search for things uh, mm-hmm. on the internet. So it's kind of shifted also the perspective of Etsy. It's not just a website where you can buy like a handmade good. that's like somebody's hobby and they just posted it on there. Like there are actual large brands that are now on Etsy that are using that platform to sell their mm-hmm. goods. So Give it a check it out um, if you're just starting out or if you're you've been around for a while. I mean, just in case you haven't heard of Etsy, in case you haven't, it's E S T Y E T S Y. No, E T S Y E T S Y dot com. I'm sure everybody that's listening right now knows about this website at this point, but it feels like three months ago nobody knew about it at least you know, going back to how time flies. Um, so, uh, how, why the object enthusiast? Like what was, what was the name? Why that name? Why not your own name? What started sort of that brand? Like, yeah, I was, I mean, I've always loved stuff and 
collecting things and (laughs) like I was that annoying younger sister that would go into my older sister's room and I was just like I'll take whatever you don't want like give me anything (laughs) I'll take it and I and I she would probably just get annoyed and be like here get out of here um so I've just always kind of had that love of things and especially if it's like something meaningful or cherished um and for me I picked the name this was back again back when I was in school my senior year Instagram had just come out I think that was 2010 Mm-hmm. And um, I was an early adopter of Instagram. And so that was my Instagram handle. And I had a blog because at the time I didn't have any equipment. So I, I was like, if I can just at least talk about ceramics, um, I'm going to try to keep it alive in my life, even if I don't have a studio to go to. And so I started a blog and I was just kind of looking at work on the internet and um, I, I just picked the name because I was like, hopefully someday I'll have like my own line of ceramics. Um, but if not, this can be something else too. I've always wanted to own a shop. Um, mm. so it felt like, okay, that could, that could work for the shop or it could work mm. for ceramics or it could work for, mm-hmm. you know, kind of, it, it just felt like a, a true phrase about who I am and, and it would kind of lend itself to a lot of different paths of what I could create with it yeah Yeah, totally super well chosen yeah yeah it feels like forever ago and the worst (laughs) the worst part is when I have to like spell out my email address to someone over the phone (laughs) and it's like oh my god at t-h-e-o-b-j-e-c-t and I like it's just so long and I'm just like why did I pick this why did I pick this name oh man my actual name is uh I always have to spell my first and last name for people and it's like a little long and it's every time it's I just have had to spell it a million times I'm sure a lot of people have that same oh yeah experience yeah yeah I had that problem for a long time. I still do. But when I was uh, in high school, I went by the name Claire Lancaster McGibbon. And that was real fun to just write even. (laughs) Yeah. So fancy. Uh, Yeah, it was pretty fancy. It's my mom's maiden name and my dad's name. But um, then I just I decided to switch to just Claire McGibbon because I was like, this is too long. I don't want to have to spell this out all the time. But I wish I wish it wasn't the case because I love both of those names you know it's where I come from so yeah I think it's just part of like maybe an impatience or like like articulating things over the phone can be hard because Mm -hmm. a a T sounds like a C and you know it's like I don't know if it's it's just irritating because we've caught ourselves in a situation where someone can't understand what we're saying or misspelled it or something I don't know but yeah I think also the internet has had a huge impact on how we like our patients with things like spelling. Like if you think about, you know, back when we had AIM and all the sort of acronyms for like laughing out loud and LOL. Well, but for the object enthusiast, it would be toe. Oh, I use Uh, toe (laughs) in house all the time. Really? Nice. People be like, what's toe? Yeah. I use yeah, I use AWA. I'm just like, great, <laughs> this works. Um, 
But yeah, and like thinking about brands like Tumblr and Flickr, where they're even like taking letters out to make it even better. And I think part of it probably has to do with brand names, at least these days, is like being able to buy the domain. You just knock a couple letters out and then all of a sudden you have... It's yours. Available. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like it would be so hard to create a new... A new brand. Which I did just do, but like it, it was like how do you come up with an original name or even if your own is already taken? Like Mm -hmm. Emily Reinhart was taken early Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it's not like I had a budget to be like, Hey, I'll pay you five grand for that handle, please. (laughs) I had actually multiple Amy McLaughlin's with the same French first name and Irish last name that emailed me because I had that domain name for a long time. And one of them, I studied textiles in school and also took ceramics as like my uh, extra class. And one of them was a ceramicist and one of them was a textile artist. Wow. And they yeah. both contacted me because they were like, we have the same name and we couldn't resist because also we do the same shit. And the one, the one who was, um, the ceramicist was a little older and was so sweet. She just told me how much she loved my work and was like excited that she found her, her own name. and. It was ceramic stuff. That's, <laughs> That's so, so cool. I yeah. love that. It's really sweet. But yeah, I mean, there's so many, like you sort of think your name is, I mean, I thought my name was a little bit exclusive in a way, but no. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. I I mean, I, I really don't know how people name their brands, let alone their own children. Like names are yeah. <laughs> so difficult, especially, you know, um, because na- new names will just keep on coming. And then like, I feel like people that have named their kid Oscar now, like it's a mattress brand. So, but, but they were named Oscar before the mattress brand was around. And it's just like, okay, well, what do I do with this name now? Or like, or Oscar, no, Oscar's the health insurance. And then you have Casper, just all these brands that are naming their brands after just first names. It just well, makes- let's not forget about Oscar Meyer Wiener. That, that's oh, the, yeah. Like, yeah, the true Oscar. Yeah, that's a full, that's <laughs> yeah. that is a full name right there. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk. So what yeah. is um, your new name, your new thing that you've just branded and created? Yeah, so my new shop is called Duet. Um, and that was another thing where duet.com was taken. So it's shop hyphen duet. Um, and our Instagram handle is D U underscore underscore E T. Um, even, even the single underscore was taken, um, (laughs) it wasn't a brand or anything. So it was just like a person's handle. And, um, but it's, you know, my, my new studio is I think it's uh, like 2,400 square feet. Wow. Um, so it's giant. That's amazing. And, uh, my my boyfriend, Kevin Umania, moved here from New York um, kind of as a result of COVID and losing his job there. And um, so he and I were like, well, let's find a big studio that works for both of us. And I knew, like, I mean, from the beginning, I've always wanted to have a shop. Mm-hmm. And so... For a while, I was even, as the object enthusiast, I was trying to create and curate other artists' goods and other designers' work and try to sell it. on. I was mostly selling it online with the hopes of having a retail store 
Um, yeah, I remember and, that. Yeah. And I think part of it was like, it was so hard to kind of explain to people who didn't understand my brand before that and, and that it was a line of ceramics. And so oftentimes people would think that I made that other stuff too, even if it was clearly stated, like, you know, mm. this is handmade by this brand or this artist. And mm. so it felt a little too murky for me where I was like, I just don't feel like I can keep pushing this side of, of like a retail concept under this name. Um, and it was this weird series of events with my friend, Sasha, she, you know, she's always wanted to own a store. And so we kind of started having these conversations of like, well, let's, let's do that sometime. Let's, but it was never, we weren't planning on doing it this at this time. Um, and at the start of COVID and quarantine, um, our neighbors, she lives downstairs for me. Um, and our neighbor reached out to us and he has this adorable little storefront in the neighborhood. And he was like, you know, my tenant moved out. And if you're interested still, it's yours. And, you know, we, we did a lot of back and forth with him and that space ended up not quite being exactly what we needed, but it allowed us to start the process. And it, it felt like, like at the time it felt like we were rushing things, but mm-hmm. we also were stuck at home and we had nothing to do mm-hmm. anyway. So we were like, let's kind of plan this out and, and make it work. Um, and one of my friends is a landlord here and she, she and her family own several commercial properties in Kansas city. Um, and another one of her tenants had just kind of moved out because of COVID related, you know, business, small businesses are struggling right now. And, um, she, you know, she didn't, she kind of just let them leave, but she was like, now I have this space open and knowing that Kevin was moving here and he needed a studio space and Sasha and I wanted to open the store. We just were like, let's pull the trigger and do it. Let's make it happen. So we moved in 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 September. And so the front kind of third of this big space is the shop um, duet. And we'll be, it'll, it'll kind of be that like resurgence of me curating other artists and designers work, um, a lot of home goods, a lot of, we're hoping to get it going before the holiday season. Um, we're still like, we're doing things like rewiring for lights. And Mm -hmm. so it's not the fun part. It's (laughs) it's very much like the Mm -hmm. the nitty gritty getting this shop ready. Um, Mm -hmm. that's so exciting though. Congratulations. Thank you. Thanks. It's, it's, it's so nice because I knew I wanted to have a partner um, for it. And I didn't want to do it by myself because Mm -hmm. I already run a business by myself and it's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. Um, but this, this will allow the object enthusiast now a place to, you know, show my work in town, um, Mm -hmm. and, and kind of make sales out of my studio Mm -hmm. since it's in the same space. So that's great. That's amazing. I remember when you had stuff on your website and to me, it made sense, but I could see how it would be a little bit murky for other people who don't Mm -hmm. really know your work, but I thought that it was so cool that you were doing that and you were like, you had a really good, I mean, you have a really good curatorial eye and there was all of this really nice stuff and you were supporting all these other artists and brands. And so the fact that you're continuing to do that and you, and it's even, 
more real and physical now. Um, and especially yeah. doing it right now in the middle of a pandemic, like sending all my energy your way. Cause that's a big, big thing that you're taking on, but Thank I think you. it's going to be, I think it's going to be great, especially in a place like Kansas city where it's, you know, you're putting all of these makers at the forefront and it's very mm-hmm. like representative of where you are. People can go and buy local things and you're supporting local markets and stuff like that. Is it going to yeah. be mostly local artists that you're, are you bringing in people from all over? I'm bringing in people from all over. Um, there are a lot of stores here in town that focus on local things oh, okay. and, yeah. and it, it, it just kind of felt like too there were too many things out in the world. Yeah. I was like, I can't just limit myself to what is right, <laughs> right. around me. Yeah. So, and I've just, you know, with Instagram and Etsy and the internet, I have forged connections with other makers and artists and, yeah. and small businesses that I'm like, I love what you do. I love what mm-hmm. you stand for. I love your product. Mm-hmm. And, and like you said, I just, I want to support them and yeah. tell other people about them and, and have it, you know, be this big family of objects. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. really exciting. Um, I I want to go to your your shop yeah. now. Like, Yay. I can't wait for it to open. I can't <laughs> yeah. wait to order some things. I mean, at this point, online. I don't know if you guys are planning on doing some online selling. We will. Stuff. Yeah. Um, um, part of the beauty of my partner Sasha, like, we are so similar, but mm-hmm. the ways that we are different are very like complimentary. Like she is all about website building and SEO and understanding like how to build the website and how to showcase the work. And I'm more of like the tactile, I'm going to go paint mm-hmm. the spindles of the railing and, and all this crazy stuff. And I'm making like a tile mural for inside the space. And um, so it's, it's funny how, like when I met her, she was, working at a fulfillment center that was shipping my work. So we, Mm. she knew my work pretty well and she is very sharp and has a good eye. And, you know, we just kind of hung out every now and then and we'd kind of spill our deep dreams and our, our, the things that we imagine for ourselves. And, you know, they, those were always lining up. And um, so we just, Quarantine has, and the pandemic has brought a lot of terrible things, but it's also kind of shifted my mentality in a positive way and, and, and towards my work and the things I enjoy doing and the things I want to build and grow. And, um, she's just been a really amazing person to team up with on something like this. So that's so cool. I have a friend who's a jeweler who we've talked about. I've always wanted to be a shop lady mm-hmm. and we've yes. talked about opening up a store, but I'm nowhere near that. So it's exciting to see that, that it can happen still that people mm-hmm. are doing it. Yeah. Well, in, back in, in tandem in, in July or in May, if you'd told me I was going to start doing this now, I would have laughed because <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't in the works even yeah. as soon as, as May and June. So it was, it was a very fast kind of rapid, like, when are we going to get a space like this again? And yeah. so. Amazing. That's good. so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So excited to see it come to life soon. Thank you. Yeah. I haven't shared much about it yet. Cause it just doesn't look like much yet. And I'm, I'm the type that's like, 
it needs to not be perfect, but it, I'm, I'm, I want to present it in a certain way. Right. And it needs to yeah. make sense and yeah. you need to feel well, proud. And you get yeah. to decide that. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. Um, so going back to the object enthusiast and your own and your own ceramic work, um, I mean, I I've no, I have a hard time noticing an evolution in my own work or like seeing how something will tie to another thing. But like I've noticed that you have an evolution to your work. When I first discovered your work, you were making a lot of like ring dishes and um, you know s- smaller objects, and now I've notice that you're making a lot of like wall hangings and a lot of you're trying out glazes and things like that. Do you have like, how has your work evolved in your, in your mind? And like, what are you hoping to, for it to become? Like, do you have any Mm -hmm. ideas of what you want to make down the road? Yeah. I mean, I think the last time Claire, when you and I spoke on the phone that one time, like, yeah. I mean, probably like five years ago, Yeah, I was in like this big grow, grow, grow mentality and right. was saying yes to nearly every wholesale order that came toward me. And um, I hadn't understood what burnout was yet. And so at the time I had, um, this is also something I haven't really publicly talked about, but I'm mm-hmm. going to today. So this is the get ready, guys. Here. Here we go. Um, <laughs> but when I moved from Omaha to Kansas City, I joined. I I kind of lumped in with another business owners. There were two of them um, as my business partners, and you know they at the time it was like you know you focus on the creative and we'll do the books and all the boring stuff and um, we'll invest some money in you. And that's when I started like buying other artists work and really curating Mm -hmm. a shop that was more than my own. Mm -hmm. Um, I was hiring employees and I was like really actively trying to grow a big business. Um, And a lot of, I was with these partners for like three years and a lot of things started happening where the things that they were encouraging me to do with my business and the direction they were really aggressively pushing me in uh, was not right for me. And it was kind of slowly revealing itself. So it started out in like feelings of like very anxious, like those deep belly stomach aches Mm -hmm. where you're just like, I don't want to go to work today and I don't want to go to this meeting and I don't even want to look at my employees right now. And, and it was just like kind of this festering like anxiety about my career and and my art and what I was doing and the direction we were heading. Um, And we, I was super not compatible with these partners and Mm -hmm. it started revealing itself in, in really big ways. And, but very slowly. And so I was kind of like, just, I mean, I cannot even, it's funny how at the start of um, 2020 and all of the pandemic stuff, my mom was, was very much like calling me often and was like, you know, how are you feeling about your business? Like, let's, you know, I don't, I don't want to see this kind of destroy what you've created and, and how you're feeling. And, and I told her, I was like, on a scale of one to 10, the feelings I had when I was in that bad partnership 
were like a 10 and they were intense and bad. And what I'm, the fear and the dread that I'm feeling now is like a four. And I'm, I'm very lucky that I was able to get a loan and I was able to kind of get some disaster relief funding. Mm -hmm. But I felt so terrible when I was working with these people. And I, and, and it was the, the things that as a business, the, the decisions we were making, I knew they weren't right for me. And I was either too afraid to speak up or I was just like trying mm -hmm. to understand it for myself. Um, and so, you know, it became this very dramatic, like, like at one point I had less than a thousand dollars in the bank and I had two employees that I had to pay and I owed my fulfillment center, like $5,000 and, you know, like they hadn't paid taxes for a couple of quarters. And I was just sitting here like, I've trusted these people and they're making decisions that we can't afford. And, and for some reason they aren't stopping making those decisions. Like we keep just like powering forward. And, and I hadn't paid myself in probably, mm -hmm. you know, months. Like it was just one of those things where I was it came to a head very suddenly and, and very dramatically. And it was like, like I, so it was, you know, we kind of, I've in jokingly I've, with my family and friends, I've called it a divorce because it was like a rapid, let's sit down with a lawyer and let's like, you are no longer part of this. So you had um, a contract and everything that you had to like break. Here's the weird part. And maybe the good part was we didn't have any paperwork. Oh, um, but they had access to everything. And it was, it was basically a handshake agreement. And it was, it was like, that ended up saving me in the end. But it was also one of the things that drove me crazy the whole time we were partners was because they weren't acting, they were not as actively involved in this business because we didn't have any sort of right. outline or, or agreement on, mm -hmm. on what that means. And mm -hmm. so I was angry because you know, they're making decisions for me and then checking out and going to run their other businesses um, and leaving me here with this like shit storm of we can't afford anything and oh look at where I am. So, wow. I mean, it, it got to the point where I had to move in with a friend for free. And this was all for like eight months last year. I was just like paying off all my debt. And, and like t they had talked me into like maxing out my personal credit cards wow. um, on top of not paying myself anything. Um, my employees were wonderful because I would come to work crying almost every day. And, and they were so kind to like, let me be honest with what the real problems were. And mm -hmm. as an employee, that's got to be really scary to have your boss who like, can't hold it together and yeah. doesn't have any money. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You're like your support wow, is crumbling. What <laughs> am I doing at this company? Like, <sighs> but they, you know, like my one friend Jordan, who he worked for me for a while, and he was the last employee that I had. And I, you know, I paid them. I, there was never a time where I couldn't pay them. I made it work. Um, but the reality was on the back side of things we were in deep trouble and mm -hmm. in when I had before I had partnered with these people I always had a safety net I always had um something set aside for myself and and they you know they were saying to me like you know the great business owners 
um, you know, they, they struggle for a while and they, and they pay themselves last and, and they focus all their energy and effort on their business. And that's how they make it grow. And that's the only way you'll be great at this. And, um, mm. and, you know, they said a lot of, one of them said a lot of things that like really tore me down. And I think mm-hmm. his intent was to like aggressively, like, I don't know how to phrase this, but like to make me a great business owner, he mm-hmm. needed to like, knock me down as many pegs as he could and I don't know it was it was strange and it was so at you know there was a time and probably for three solid years where I had a staff and you know we had a big bright studio and you know knowing what was going on internally for me all of that feels like a farce like it was Mm -hmm. just for show and and not at all the way I would ever move forward with the object enthusiast again mm-hmm. um and and then you know burnout hit on top of that where I was like I am managing four people and I still have to like touch every single piece um because there were a lot of parts where I like I learned I was a control freak mm-hmm. by having employees I didn't know that about <laughs> myself but um there were so many things that I just could not let go of like certain tasks where I was like nope only I can do this the way I want it done. I feel like I, I'll, I'll I just be do like that. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just kind of learned like, not only do I, I don't, I'm not good at managing people and I don't like doing it. And it's hard. I miss, it's I miss the days skill of, set. yeah, like of just being with myself and, and my thoughts in the studio and mm-hmm. um, no amount of wholesale for me was worth it to keep pushing like that. Yeah. And I think it's hard also as a small business that's trying to grow into a larger business where the only thing that you have to compare your business to are these really large businesses that have large teams of people and that have Mm -hmm. multiple people calling the shots. And um, I know that personally, it's a pressure that I've felt where, you know, you want to, you want to have all the ducks lined up and everything. I'm a control freak. Like I'm a perfectionist to that extent too, where I want to look like a brand Um, more so than just be human, like a human making things. Um, Whether it's in, you know, the voice that I have to communicate even just one thing over Instagram or a shop update or like the, you know, the way my newsletter looks when I'm sending it out, we are constantly competing with larger companies that have hundreds to thousands of employees and we're trying to get our voices out there. And so Mm -hmm. in order to do that, you try to, you know, you're putting up this front of like, even for yourself where you're trying to wear so many hats and yeah, the burnout can happen and you can end up working with bad people just because you want to forward what you, what you think is your brand or what you want your brand to be. Um, yeah. Well, it's yeah, also, if, sorry. No, go ahead. Like, if you have someone like it initially, you know, I can imagine that that would sound like such a dream mm-hmm. scenario that people mm-hmm. are going to come in and help you do all the things that you might not want to do. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, invest into your company, like, like how, I don't know if you don't, like, how is, how does your gut react to something 
that you don't know yet, you know? Yeah. And it does sound like a really sweet situation if it had gone the opposite way. Right. Yeah. And I see a lot of people who I admire who do it really well. And what you see on social media and on their website, it makes it look easy and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, just beautiful. And, um, and maybe for some it is like Mm -hmm. either finding the right team and the right partner or just having the personal life skills that allow you to run and operate something that has so many plates spinning in the air. And Mm -hmm. I just, I think I, I felt a pressure of like, well, the only direction for me to go is to grow and like I'm I'm doing this now so mm-hmm. naturally I should progress and want to push it um and I just you know I no one if someone would have told me I think you're gonna hate it maybe you shouldn't do it I probably wouldn't have believed them and I would have tried it anyway mm-hmm. um but now I know and I I learned like the things that I love about my job and what I do and being an artist I didn't get to do those when I was trying to go to meetings and have partners and grow and have a staff and, you know, hold the whole ship together. I I just, I stopped, like, I I was like, well, this isn't why I got into this in the first place. So I think that's the tell sign that I should shift it. So, yeah. So it was, I mean, last, a, a year ago in June, um, I had a very dramatic, like, you know, breakup with these partners and then moved in with a friend and I lived with her for eight months. She is like a godsend, um, just to, to have the space for me and to not be looking for rent. And it, it, I was able to pay off more than half of my debt and, get on solid ground again. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's kind of where I'm at now. Like I have just a little bit of lingering, um, tax debt right now. And it's on, it's on a payment plan and it it wasn't like late taxes. It was just, so it's very normal debt that I think a lot Mm -hmm. of artists and business owners have. And I'm feeling much more like comfortable with my, um, you know, kind of this rebirth of my brand. And, and for me, it felt like so blaringly obvious that I'm struggling and things aren't going well. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I hate what I'm doing and my whole plan kind of imploded and it felt like, Oh, I'm sure everyone is noticing and probably no one knew. No, no absolutely not. But <laughs> no idea. I had no, like truly no idea that where that story was going to go. I'm very <laughs> impressed. It sounds really difficult. And um, I, yeah, I can't imagine what a roller coaster that would well, be. And go keep on going. Sorry. Oh, that's it. It sounds really tough. <laughs> it sounds really hard. And I think that, I mean, I, I really appreciate you sharing it because I think that there are other people out there that are thinking about moving in that direction. And I think maybe to be able to hear something like that from you might make them pause and really spend more time thinking about, um, where they want their company to go and how they want to see it grow and how they can still find um, if they can build something in within that, where they can still find pleasure in the work that they're doing and they can still have control. Like if, Mm -hmm. if for all of the other people out there, all of 
the people listening that do know that like they don't necessarily want to be managers, they are control freaks, they're maybe perfectionists, or the complete opposite, just like taking a longer look at um, the direction that uh, you want your company to go. And it's something that I've thought about too, is like, when you start a small business is you, you never think about writing a business plan, you know, but mm. all of these other companies that are starting up that are, you know, maybe it's nice to have another person in the room saying, do you want to write a business plan? Let's write it together. Let's do things in a more official way. And a lot of times when you're running a small business, you don't have anybody to like guide you in that mm-hmm. process. Um, so, yeah. I, I have to say I did take some small business classes that were like a nice. month of like a class a week, but I still did not write a business plan. <laughs> I still don't totally understand like yeah. what, what it would entail yeah. like for a ceramics company, but I was like trying to figure it out, but I, I still didn't. Yeah, but I think even if it's just not necessarily writing something down on paper, but just like, you know, taking some pause and thinking about it and thinking about like, do I want to manage five to 10 people? Do I want to spend my days on business calls? Um, Or do I still, do I want to remain a small business and keep on operating? I mean, I think sometimes as small businesses, and I'm speaking for myself, sometimes I have, my eyes are bigger than my stomach. You know, I just, Mm -hmm. I want my business to look like I have a team of 15 people and it is, you know, like everything's just seamless and smooth, but that's not the case. And I don't know if I'd ever want that to be the case, but it's just a constant, we only have ourselves to really like think about these things and you can talk to friends about what they think you should do. But in the end, it's your decisions that that are being made for your business. So. Yeah. And I think my main advice would be like, if you like growing was not the lesson I learned the lesson I, or, you know, growing versus not growing. The lesson I learned truly was like who I let in to, to Mm -hmm. my business and to my, like, I mean, they, they, these people had my bank account. They had, you know, everything was, they had access to. And Mm -hmm. once I realized I don't trust these people and I'm, I'm noticing things that they are doing in within their business that don't feel right. Um, the fear for me was not like, Oh God, I've grown this thing and I want mm-hmm. out of it. It was like, I am tied to these people that I, I need to get away from. And right. I have to change every password, everything I've ever created right. just to make sure I'm protected. And you know, a handshake agreement is not enough when it comes to your business and your livelihood. Um, so my main advice would be like, get it in writing and and double check who you're joining forces with. (laughs) Because I just remember like right after I agreed to kind of work with them, I like my gut was telling me something and I didn't know what it was at the time, but what it was saying was like, this doesn't feel 100% right. Like, are you sure? Mm-hmm. And I chose to ignore it. And three years later, it was kind of like, Oh my God, listen, lady. like, yeah. yeah, like you, yeah. I told you. Oh my God. You. So you did know early on. Yeah. I remember well, I had just gotten my natal chart read and oh in my God. chart, it is like, you need to be working with women. And I was partnering with these two men and I was like, Oh, fuck. oh like 
already yeah. I was like this is bad like even the stars are telling me like for some reason in my mind I thought that it was a man and a woman just because you mentioned the only man so I was like of course yeah. there's a woman yeah no it was wow. two guys and one of them I lived with at his house and like you know he would it was it was we were very intertwined and it was very sticky and not great yeah. so um, what is um quickly do you will you tell us your your rising and yeah all your signs yes um <laughs> so I, i'm a cancer sun and okay a virgo rising um and a capricorn moon so amazing wow. it's a i actually have a meeting with an astrologer in a, in a week um because like i had the initial reading and i don't know very much about it i'm like that was probably three or four years ago. And so I'm, I'm actively trying to learn about, Mm -hmm. you know, natal charts and astrology and, um, but it's teaching me so much about myself that like when I read through my chart and, and kind of the more detailed descriptions about it, I'm like, Oh, this, this is it. Like this, I was never able to formulate how I felt about that or myself in that way. And it's, it's helping me articulate who I am and, mm-hmm. and kind of, um, you know, how I see my life going. And, um, you know, it was one of those things where I chose to ignore this very, like, you know, kind of neon sign along my road. <laughs> and I was like, oh, next time I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to ignore that. That bright side. Yeah. yeah. I was definitely a skeptic of astrology I think just because growing up you really only see your sun sign and you get those tiny blips and I was like I can just pick one of these and I can relate to it however I want Mm -hmm. Um, but then I had a friend who read my natal chart and it's just like too many things were too specific Mm -hmm. for it not to be believed Mm -hmm. yeah well now I'm curious what both of your I'm an Aquarius sun and Sagittarius rising Gemini moon. Cool. Yeah, I'm um, Virgo sun, Scorpio rising, Taurus moon. Cool. We're all very different. Yeah, we are. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All very different. Yeah. Yeah, but I think that we get a little insight as to who who we are. For anybody who's listening, they'll be like, oh, yeah, that makes total sense. And some people will be yeah. like, I have no idea what you're talking about, but maybe I'll just <laughs> check out what yeah. my <laughs> needle chart is. Um, I remember doing a whole thing uh, before I moved to L.A. Um, that a friend recommended. It's called astrocartography. Oh my God, Claire, this killed me. Yeah. Um, And this relates to earth, everybody. It does relate to like ceramics because we live on earth and we work with earth. So, you know, gravity, all of those things. Let's just, you know, I know we're getting a little off topic, but um, it, uh, it was this, um, it's this chart that you get done for you. You can go check it out. Um, I think it's just called astro cartography. You can type it into Google and um, you put in uh, the date and time you were born and the place that you're born. And then you put in, um, optionally, you can put in like three different places on earth that you're interested in. Maybe you've lived there or you're thinking of moving there. Um, and it looks at the, um, at the, at your 
chart essentially for that date and time that you were born. It will show you where the planets were aligned, like where they were orbiting. And then it will talk about the gravitational pull of those planets. So you might have like, you know, ascendant signs in certain areas and rising, you know, like the time that you're basically for me, the reason why I think it does have an impact is when you're born, you're literally, you're an embryo just, or like, you know, you're a fetus just like floating around in placenta. And then all of a sudden, wham, like you get born and gravity hits you. Like you have never experienced gravity ever until the moment that you are birthed. And then all of a sudden, I feel like as a as a, as an infant, probably like feeling that sensation of gravity, you probably also feel the sensation of all the gravitational pulls of all of the other planets in your solar system. And that might just like form you as a human. Um, so I think that that's pretty trippy. And so look at where the planets were lined up during the time that you were born and how that shaped you. And it will tell you like, maybe this place is not the best place to move because you might be, you might be more ill, like more frequently in this place because this certain planet was, you know, orbiting at this time, or um, this is in this place, this certain attribute of your personality will shine, you know, like you'll be very communicative. You'll make lots of friends. Other place will be like, you'll be more maternal or paternal or um you'll be more secluded and it just it it really will influence what you want out of your like being um and what you want that place to draw out and I say what I okay so Claire and I were both in Brooklyn and we're moving at the same time she was going to LA and I was coming to Portland Maine and she got this map done mm-hmm. and I did you got a physical map yeah right? it's a physical map that they and then they have like a whole pamphlet and it's got it like it's just like waves and waves and waves of lines and it's all of the planets and like different ascendants and things and how they like chart from north to south and some of them are uh it's latitude and longitude right yeah mm-hmm. um and so then it's like where they cross over a particular city mm-hmm. is sort of uh the effect it might have so anyways mm-hmm. claire is moving to la and la is like this it's like your jupiter right was i can't remember I it was like it was... everything's gonna be golden and beautiful and like <laughs> all of these things and i was like oh my god that's amazing and then they have a little yeah. free i think they have a free thing so i looked up Portland, Maine for me. And it was just like in the middle of like nothing zone, (laughs) just like (laughs) in between two different things. I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. It's like, you don't feel it as much as you're further away. You still have a little bit of that, um, sort of like magnetic pole or whatever are you feeling that golden light claire have you been i mean it is california big, so there is i think that part of it is like they know where these places are on earth so they can definitely say like oh like it's gonna you're gonna, gonna be a lot of people around. and <laughs> um yeah but it did say that i was gonna meet a lot of new people um in la in comparison to i did paris new york and la um And it said I was going to meet a lot of people and my social life was going to sort of expand. And I guess, I mean, now with COVID and quarantine, that's not necessarily happening, but we have started a podcast and I get to talk to new people that, you know, so like, I guess there's a little bit of that in there. Um, But yeah, it's fun. I recommend it. If you like want a gift, get your chart done. It's, you can just sit there and read it and go back to it. 
Um, yeah. Okay. Going back to like ceramic, <laughs> ceramics, um, have you noticed a shift in like in your work since all of this, um, have certain, like, I don't know, uh, have you had new ideas for new objects? Um, or playtime. Yeah. Playtime. Yeah. I mean, I think part of that shift was like, you know, when, when I was really burnt out and had my staff and all that, like finding time to explore and create new work was not able, I wasn't able to make that happen with, with all the wholesale orders and emails and all that other stuff. Um, and so now I've kind of made the decision to like stop wholesale unless it's like a shop who I, you know, I know the owner really well, or like, mm. if it's something special, I'll, I want to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it's turned into like, I, someone, I don't know where I've heard this, but I've heard it multiple times where people say it's like, if it's not a hell yes, it's a no. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I've, the kind of mentality I've taken when it's like, you know, when, when requests come in or custom projects or something, um, like if that. it doesn't excite me and, and light me up, then even if it's easy money, like for a while there, I was saying yes to things like, just because, you know, it was yeah. a thousand bucks that I could just crank out this work with my eyes closed basically. And that wasn't as meaningful as, as making the work that was true to me and, and felt like, um, you know, more, more of my creativity is required to produce something. Um, and part of, part of this saying no to wholesale has allowed me a lot more time to kind of create and explore and mess up and start over. And, um, my boyfriend last year for my birthday, he gave me a sketchbook and he had like bound it, cut all the paper, like stitched the, you know, made it himself. And, um, it was so nice and I hate to draw. And so I was like, by golly, I am going to learn how to like sketching because this was the nicest thing anyone's made for me (laughs) in a long time. And so I kind of just, I bought a nice set of colored pencils and, um, I've started a sketchbook within the last year that it's amazing how much fun it is. And I, I just, I hated drawing cause I hated my drawing classes. And mm-hmm. so I was like, Oh, I just, and I, I've never felt good at, at just casually sketching. Um, and I've started to let go of like this sketch needs to be good. Like the sketchbook is just for sketching and for scribbling and and maybe some of them are good and maybe they're not but it doesn't really matter and um I think having that meaningful sketchbook and and the drive to use it and to create with it has really opened my mind up to new ideas um and kind of dating someone who is more involved in like the gallery side of art and and that studio artist um he's a painter and printmaker and you know is is kind of he's branching into ceramics which is really fun and I'm kind of like oh I like to draw now and maybe I'll try painting or maybe Mm. I'll you know do something a little bit different and I think that's kind of where these wall hanging pieces have Mm -hmm. kind of evolved from and and kind of um making things that are one of a kind because I like it and it 
came from my sketchbook or from my mind. And that work is easier for me to share because I'm excited mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. And other people end up being excited about it too. And like, I have sold some pieces online where I'm like, I did not know that anyone else would be into that besides me. And so it kind of has really encouraged me and boosted my confidence in a way where I I want to explore kind of more um, less functional objects, like maybe not a vase, but just something flat or um, something more sculptural Mm -hmm. instead of just a pot that you know, not just a pot because there's some amazing pots. Um, and I've even made some pieces that I'm like, I love that. But when it's something new that I am really excited about, that is a totally different feeling than like, oh, that cup turned out good. Yeah. So (laughs) it's like cool cup. Yep. Good. Quality cylinder right there. Look at that. Well, oh man, I love a quality cylinder though. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think there's something so thrilling about just having that like playtime where you can make new things. But then as soon as you take a picture of it and you make it available for wholesale and you start making that one thing like 10 to 20 to hundreds of times, mm-hmm. all of a sudden it just like wears a little bit away at at mm-hmm. your at your even at your creativity and feeling capable of getting outside of what you typically make or like what people yeah as because I think also with something like Instagram where you are sharing your work and you're making these objects people know you as the person who makes things with um, a certain glaze or a certain luster a certain shape or whatever and then to get out of that it doesn't feel like it's your voice anymore so it's nice to make things that are one of a kind because you can insert them in within like more production pottery and be like I also make I, these other things and this is yeah. how whatever I want, whatever I can make <laughs> yeah. whatever I want. That's why you got into ceramics in the first place. Cause you're like, I want to be able to make a thing that I want to be able to make. <laughs> well, I think it's one of the, like one of my most favorite things about clay is that you can make so many, so many. different things. Like yes. the, <laughs> the ways that you can make it, the variety of things you can make is just like, it's limitless. Yeah. And I think that you use your clay as like the greatest canvas, you know, I just the way that you experiment with all these different glaze colors and, you know, you apply them um, is, is really beautiful. And so the fact that you're also using paper now as a canvas is, is cool. Like I saw that you had a video on your Instagram of your sketchbook and I was like, yeah, I almost want that to be just a book that's like sitting on my shelf that I can look yeah. at, you know? That's so nice. I know my boyfriend is really like pushing me and encouraging me. And, you know, I I, I have a tendency of like remembering like the, the meanest thing someone has said to me and it mm-hmm. plays over and over. And I did, I had this experience in college with a, I got a D in drawing too. And I was just like, I needed it to graduate and I was just like, I I suck at this. I think it was actually drawing one, but um, cause I liked my drawing too, professor, but drawing one professor, he was super old and he had terrible breath every day. And one time <laughs> he like 
whispered like really close to me and he had, his hand, he had his hand on my back and Ew. I was just like oh and he goes you know Emily some people just aren't meant to be artists and I was just <gasps> like no dude sir. I'm not even trying to be a drawer like I'm no I'm in ceramics like I'm I'm okay at that like just leave me alone so stop fucking touching me also yeah, that person should not be a teacher yeah. should not be a teacher especially Ugh. like you're paying for this education like you're paying to just I don't know I, I think that if you're a good art teacher or any teacher you're like you can do it like you just yeah. have to believe that and you can it does so much more for a student yeah, than like for sure I don't know it was yeah it's like talking about Yoshi you know it's like he just said oh that's not that doesn't look so bad and all of a sudden you're a ceramicist you know your whole life changes sentence can change a life I know yeah Yeah, so I think I was like stuck on oh I'm a bad drawer and I'm bad at 2D like I just can't do that and until it was like someone pushing me and and telling me the the nice things that not just to be nice but to like to just keep me going like don't stop just because you hate it or something because you maybe don't hate it <laughs> yeah. oh my god oh so yeah do you, but been, do you do you hate it or did you just feel like you couldn't do it I think I hated it because I felt like I couldn't do it mm, okay. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I'm I'm the type that like if it's hard I don't I don't like that and yeah. it's it, it holds me back in ways like there are times in in the ceramics studio where I'm like making molds is hard. Therefore, I don't like to do that. And mm. instead of just keep like, yeah. I'm I'm not a quitter, but I am definitely like a, no, I don't want to do that. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, I just, I, I throw a fit about it because it's hard. And it's like, I mean, we're with you on the making molds is oh, hard yeah. thing though. Cause I mean, that is hard. It's yeah. hard and <laughs> we don't want to do it. No. Yeah. No. But I think, yeah, like even with like, you know, experience, like I've wanted, I've wanted to do like lighting fixtures, but mm-hmm. I'm scared to try because I'm like, oh, what if I fit? Like, yeah. what if it's not good and I waste all this material and time? And yeah, I just um, made my but- first lamp base and I had made the base itself like three years ago and never bought the wiring for it because I was like this is probably just gonna fail like I'm probably not (laughs) gonna know how to wire this thing and I don't know what parts to get and I just bought I ended up just the other day like a week ago or something I just bought a lamp kit and I was like you know what if I spend $15 and this doesn't work out then you know I'll try again and at least I'll have the parts to make the yeah. lamp right this time and I finally did it and it works like it you you put these like you you block yourself so many times in your mind um mm-hmm. because of like assumptions um yeah and you project failure upon yourself you're like no this isn't gonna it's not gonna pan out not even worth trying not even worth my time and then some things end up being a lot easier than you assume right right um yeah just, so I think I need to start the fixtures I think I yeah, might try I think you would make amazing lighting <laughs> thanks I, I gotta try I mean I, I I'll never do it if I just yeah. keep talking about it and yeah hit me up it. want like you know the 
<laughs> kit that I bought. It's just a kit. Cool. But, cool. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been wanting to do that too. It's it's fun. It's fun to make functional objects, but they're also decorative. And I think that those kinds of items, like lighting and even making like a mirror frame or you know objects mm-hmm. that people have in their home that are more decorative but also are used to like maybe tell time or light their space. Um, that's yeah. an exciting world to get it into. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, I wanted to talk to you about luster just really quickly because you use it um, on a lot of your pieces. And I don't know if you still use it as often as you have in your past work, but um, like how, how did you incorporate luster into your work and also like, do you have any tips for people using luster? Cause it is, it's a pretty toxic mm-hmm. substance. Um, yeah. Um, I kind of started, I, so I started getting my gold thing started with gold imitation. Gold leaf was my first foray oh, into gold. Bella. And I, I, yeah, very fancy. <laughs> like from um, the, like Michael's or. Yeah. Yeah. Bobby, like the craft yeah. store. Nice. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I've been in that aisle. That, that Mona Lisa is on the package and like, I don't don't remember what brand it is, but, um, so, and that was purely like, oh, I had, I had this pot that I made. I don't even know what it looks like now, but it was like the one thing at the time that I was like, oh, that one is so good. And I I wasn't ready to glaze it because, you know, you can ruin a pot if you uh-huh. Aren't meaning at any moment uh-huh. yeah yeah <laughs> so I was like I just need to wait till I know exactly what I'm going to do with that and then finally one day I like glazed it and it didn't come out as great as I wanted so I tried to like reapply some glaze and tried it probably like three times with yeah. glaze trying to get it right and it just wasn't and so I but I kept it and it was pretty ugly and I just kept it because the form was so nice and I was like I haven't made anything that nice in a while and then I was like, oh, what if I put luster over those spots where I don't like it? And it was purely like to cover up something. Mm-hmm. And um, at the time, you know, I I hadn't ever learned how to use it in college. Like, I, I don't think I had, I thought like, oh, I can't afford that. It's mm-hmm. 40 bucks a mm-hmm. tiny vial. And at the time, I just didn't know how far that would go or if I could do it right or, you know, you want to try it, but you don't want to ruin like a whole kiln's worth of pots and you don't want to just fire one thing. And yeah, so I I had to like work on my commitment towards luster. Um, Yeah. And it took a lot of trial and error. And I now know like I'm going to spend the extra and buy the premium gold luster and not the just I know brilliant gold or whatever. It makes such a difference for any. Does it really? So, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Is it, it like a hundred dollars though? How much? It's is not the forty dollar Double. It's not double. It's not no, I buy no. the Duncan, the Duncan brand, and it's yeah. like forty five dollars. Yeah, and it goes on red. It looks like blood. It's like yeah. Oh really? It, but but it's um it's not sticky like the mm-hmm. the other luster is so okay I didn't it actually right you have a lot more um the lifespan is a lot longer in terms of like the coverage it's that you red? get because it spreads yeah. so much yeah it's oh, shit, I highly okay. recommend it when I switched over to it because I had to luster I don't know um some small thing and um 
out of, I was, I had it on my paintbrush and I put it on and I put a little too much on. And then all of a sudden I was like, okay, well, let's see how far this stuff will go with just a drop. And it went, it just, I could basically paint my whole entire piece with it. It was insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so. And it like, it, it allows there, I have no streak. Well, sometimes I'll have a streaky mm-hmm. batch or a couple pieces that like maybe my brush was mm-hmm. clumpy or something, mm-hmm. but um, I think compared to the regular gold, it is like, I, it's so, so much better as far as brush strokes and, um, it, it does go a long way actually. Yeah. Like I can yeah. get like a whole kiln load with one vial pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so and, confused. and it lasts a while. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's, I mean, try it. I think the, bril- the, what did I say? Is it brilliant? Because I thought that I got the nice premium, one, but premium. But, okay. I think it's premium. Yeah. I think I yeah. got one that was like forty dollars or something, or thirty something dollars. But the next one up um, was like insane. Like, well, they have it or hundred or they have it in a big bottle. You can okay, buy. We'll have to send. We, we'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you could buy a big bottle. Yeah, I know you can buy. I know you can buy a larger bottle because I had asked once. Um, I don't know if it was in a shop or when the one time I went to Enzika, but it's like it's like something like eight hundred dollars. It's a lot of money. Whoa! Um, yeah. And I don't know. Eight hundred dollars. I don't know. You it was 800? like for me. For me, it was just like okay, like not. I think it just went in one ear and out the other because my wallet was not that, my pockets weren't that deep. Um, But I also don't know what the shelf life is for Luster. So if any, if there are any Luster experts out there that want to email us and that work with Luster or formulate Luster or are Luster. No, a senior supplier. Yeah. I want to know more. Um, I mean, I know like shelf life wise, mine, I'll have like half a vial sitting on my shelf for like honestly during covid stuff i haven't done much luster firing i've just been there were several months where i wasn't going to the studio very often because it was in a communal space and um you know we were kind of on lockdown here in kansas city and so i haven't done i've done one luster firing all summer and that's like yeah i I used to be doing it twice Um, a week i was and (laughs) Um, so I know my, my little half used bottles are still in great shape. They're not goopy around the rim or like any sort of, you know, it's, it's still fine. I think my brushes on the other hand though, those are, (laughs) I might need to upgrade and get a few new (laughs) Do you use Um, essence to clean your brushes? Like, do you have dedicated luster brushes? And I have some dedicated luster brushes, but I use rubbing alcohol to clean my brushes oh okay Mm. and I and that so I do like rubbing alcohol and they're always stained red Mm -hmm. um from the luster and so I'll do rubbing alcohol and I'll kind of like dab it in a cup a little bit and then I'll wash the brush with like soap and water and then let it dry um and then it's fine it's like you know like it's designated for luster but I don't know if that's the right way to yeah it, but it was it was out of like oh I ran out of essence one day and right one of my employees was like I think rubbing alcohol will work yeah because he my one of my employees went to um the Kansas City Art Institute and that was like my dream school that mm-hmm. like because I, I grew up in Kansas and 
I lived in Kansas City, but I was on the Kansas side and the Kansas City Art Institute was on the Missouri side. So I couldn't qualify for in-state tuition okay. and my parents yeah. were like, sorry, in-state yeah. school, which I had the best. I, I would not trade my college experience yeah. for something else, but yeah. he, I was so jealous of what he knew from uh-huh. his schooling and um, he just knew so much. And I was like, I can't believe you're not the boss and I'm <laughs> asking you these questions because like, you know, so much. Um, so yeah, he, he kind of taught me a few things about Lester. And I also learned that like, cause I was doing full, like tons of wholesale orders and stuff. And I learned that like, as long as the gold parts aren't touching, I could like stack my pots in the kiln. Oh, um, so I, I was that. like, like glaze to glaze. I was, I would stack things like eight high as long as the luster Amazing. wasn't touching wasn't other touching. luster Very good to know. or something yeah. else. So, cause I was always only firing to 018 and yeah. So yeah, I just, I kind of learned that from, there was one day where I was like, I'm just going to try this. And I put like a little ring dish inside of a bigger dish. And I was like, yeah. fingers crossed. I don't know what's going to happen. And <laughs> yeah. I, you know, it was fine. I don't know. So Oh, cool. cool. It's just must not get hot enough. The glaze doesn't oh, really It doesn't really. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I've always thought about that, but I've never taken the risk. I think because my kiln is not, ne- I've never lustered so many pieces that I've needed to stack, but I've always yeah. been curious about like, what if I did a whole collection that was had luster on it? Like, mm-hmm. would I need to fire, you know, more kilns because of that? Yeah. Um, and I had, I had a few, um, things crack before where I probably shouldn't have stacked them and mm-hmm. I, I don't, they could have also cracked for other, you know, for other reasons, a yeah. dozen reasons why it could have cracked. Oh yeah. It's always, was, um, trying to get to the bottom of things when you're a ceramicist, it's like, you're right. some, you're, you're like, inspector Poirot, you know, you're like, got a little yeah. mustache and you have yeah, the magnifying yeah. glass and you like, you're like, who done it? Um, but I feel like it's also sort of like the slot machines. Like you don't, there's no, you're not going to know. No. Yeah. yeah. Oh, as much keep trying. Yeah. Like, yeah, there could be so many things. So like, who knows? Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. Um, I have a, we have a couple last questions for you and then I think we'll have to let all of our listeners take an an ear break. I don't know if that, like, you know, <laughs> put their, put their headphones down. We'll get out of your ear holes. We'll, we'll yeah. get out of your ear holes. You're probably tired of hearing our voices. I mean, I could go on for days. So I was going to say, I could talk to both of you all day long. <laughs> I know. I want to keep on talking about long. all of these things. Um, but I think um, one thing that I find really beautiful in your work is the glazes that you use. You use such beautiful colors and, um, I guess I'm curious as to like how you like, do you mix your own glazes? Do you use commercial glazes? Is it a mix of both? Is it cone six? Is it cone four? Like, yeah, we really want to know about those glazes. They're just so beautiful. And I think that also going back to you sketching, like, and having that, I don't want to sketch and maybe just sketching with like a lot, I think a lot of ceramicists end up sketching with the glazes because those are their that's their color palette. Mm-hmm. But since you you have a color palette, like you know your glazes, and now you can just apply them in such mm-hmm. beautiful ways. And the way that you, I 
I would assume that with like the drip cups and the stripe cups, you paint the glaze on like the application, mm-hmm. all of that stuff. And then I also want to talk about um, after that, and then we'll end this um, like collaborations that you've done with other companies. Cause I know you've worked with larger companies, um, you know, selling your work. So mm-hmm. those are the last two. Yeah. So my glazes are a mix of commercial and sweet made in house. Um, but you know, my recipes are just like things I've gotten online or they're not like my formulated recipes. Um, and part of that is like access to a lab. Um, I don't have that right now. And so making a large batch of, of glaze that you're not sure if it works or if you like it is a little riskier when you can't just quickly Mm -hmm. do a test. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of them are commercial, a lot of them I've made. Um, and one of the, I mean, part of with those striped cups and all the ring dishes and things that I've made, I have just gotten to know my commercial glazes so well, yeah. where I know that this one's going to drip. So I don't put it towards the bottom. I know that this one ends up streaky. So I'm going to do five coats of this color. Um, and, and it's just, it's from so many trial or so many pots and, and just, and getting to know what the glaze, you know, cause a glaze will look so different before it's fired. And oh, yeah. so part of it is by sight and knowing what looks right when it's painted on for the result that I'm expecting or the results I've had before, um, so yeah, a lot of them are commercial. They're mostly all mid-range, cone six. Mm-hmm. Um, I get I guess my kiln runs hot. So I f- they're all cone six, but I just fired a cone five. Five, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I just take it down a notch. And I think I just need to get my kiln. I need some, I actually need some kiln maintenance right now. Um, <laughs> uh, another task that I have convinced myself I'm bad at and mm-hmm. don't like to do. <laughs> but, do you ever use witness cones? No. And I should, I should make a few packs just to, to really know what, cause I know too, like, you know, the bottom of my kiln doesn't get as hot as the top of my kiln. And so the pieces, like I have some mugs that have like drips. Um, and I always fire those on the bottom because Mm -hmm. if some of the glazes get too hot, they will run or they'll get, you know, so close Mm -hmm. to the bottom or stuck to the bottom. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, I think I think that's one of the most exciting parts about production pottery is yeah. by doing it so many times, you now yeah. know, you understand that clay body, you understand that glaze, you understand that section of your kiln just a little bit better mm-hmm. than, you know, your first mm-hmm. time. Um, and so, that's yeah, I think you have to do it all yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. I remember when I had employees, like a lot of my striped pieces, I was just like, okay, now this glaze has to go on the first third because it'll run. And then this glaze can't go on the bottom, but it, it can't go on the top either because it's a crappy <laughs> glaze. And so I don't want them, their mouth on that. And yeah. and like, no, there was no way that they were going to remember yeah. that. Like yeah. the only, I knew it because I'd done it a hundred times mm-hmm. and I didn't have time to let them do it a hundred times. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I think I kind of, dug my own grave there because I was like only I know how to get this the way I want it (laughs) to and it was just like 
You do use a lot of glazes though. It's very, it's impressive. Oh, I think my shelf, my glaze shelf has probably like 75 pints of glaze on it. Like I have a ton of them and some of them I've used once and I'm like, I hate that glaze. (laughs) You know, I got to find some other way to use it, but do you ever try um, mixing them together just like on a test tile? Like I'm curious about your that. test tiles too, because I know you have those sort of like plaques where you have the circles. Is that how you also do test tiles or do you do like vertical? That, yeah, I need to, I actually, I want to find a beautiful way of yeah, me too. Uh, doing test tiles because it started as the plaques, but then they were fired flat. So I wasn't finding mm-hmm. out any movement or any sort of, Mm-hmm. And they were separated, so there wasn't any overlap or anything. Mm-hmm. So I, I would like to find a way to and and to make it something that isn't just like a Rubbermaid container full of, yep, posts, yeah. You know, exactly. like I want to find a way to to beautifully display and test because I, I, was... I want to know A on B and B on D and yeah. what what all the glazes change because mm-hmm. there's so many so many options another amazing part about ceramics is just like what happens in the surprises yeah i saw this guy one time and i've been wanting to do it but it i mean it definitely takes more time but he's just like throwing off the hump and just making these like little tiny cups Mm -hmm. like almost like little like like a sake glass or something yeah um yeah or like a shot glass or i don't know Mm -hmm. uh and obviously you have to throw all those, but then he would sell them at markets or just like whatever as like little textile cups. Yeah, that's a great idea. I was thinking like yeah. even little mini miniature sculptural yeah. pieces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, for sure. And one of the things I try to do when I fire a kiln is like at the bottom somewhere, I want to have a surprise like experimental yes. piece because there's that totally. excitement of like layer by layer, you're unloading. And you're, you're like, oh, I want to see that one. <laughs> yeah. Especially when you're doing po- production pottery and you know exactly what's going to be coming out of the kiln. I try to do the same yeah. thing too. Where, yeah. We were just talking about this yep, yesterday. Yeah. Have one like. Treat yourself. Yeah. Either yeah. test tiles or like a whole new piece. Um, is so exciting. It's what yeah. keeps you going really. It's like dessert. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it is dessert. Yeah. It. Yeah. It's so nice do you thing. so you do mostly painting of glazes? Yeah, I do. I I don't have I mean, some of the glazes that I've mixed myself, I could dip. Um, mm-hmm. but I mostly just do like my white and my black and my textured white. And so it's like things that aren't uh, they're not exciting anymore or like, they're just, they're my bulk glaze that mm-hmm. I just, you know, always Your have. Base, and yeah. yeah. And so with the stripes and stuff, it's all hand painted. Um, and some of the colors for them to look the way I want are literally five mm-hmm. coats yeah. around. Yeah. And That's you've got to know, know, like, I always use like the logo on the bottom of my pot as like okay that's 12 o'clock and I'm gonna start my stripe there because sometimes Uh, it dries all the way around and you don't you don't know how many coats you've done or okay so I've come up with some tricks to like keep myself (laughs) um you know on track so painting them upside down I would imagine to be able to keep track with the logo yeah 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 and then it is just like it's kind of monotonous but it's like 
on the right day when I'm in the mood to just like sit in a chair and mindlessly paint my stripes and maybe watch Netflix while I do it or something like that. Like mm-hmm. it's kind of the perfect task for yeah. Do you do you find like I tried to paint this little bud vase one time? I mostly dip all my glazes, um, and it came out terribly. There was like mm. one color. Do you find that there are glazes that like do not want to be painted, or is it just more application? I think there are some that don't want to be painted because even like sometimes the brush is like removing the last coat you did while it adds Mm. this new one or something and so Mm. you're almost like creating or taking away at the same time that you're painting it on and um like a white erase board (laughs) yeah there's some that like kind of flake off and like just kind of like yeah uh, it's weird and and part of that is just again like getting to know my glazes but Mm -hmm. I wish and up until now like this month is the first time when I've had a studio that has room where I could potentially make larger batches of, of glazes, um, which I would like to explore and try. But before that, it was like, I don't have room for, especially with all the colors that I use, um, having room for bulk batches of all that, especially when it's painted, like I will have, um, a couple, you know, like a dozen mugs and I'm doing one stripe of a color and, it barely even makes a dent in the pint. So mm-hmm. it goes a long way when it's just colors and stripes and little details of things. Yeah. It's almost like a little underglaze type of surface decoration. Um, yeah. Yeah. I also have this um, like squeeze. It's the like a squeeze. squishy thing there, with the tips. Yeah. Yeah. Slip trailer? Slip trailer. Thank there you. you go. <laughs> um, that is a fun glaze applying oh yeah I I love that thing for uh um putting glaze inside small objects like I would use it to put glaze inside of bud vases or um any like small vessels it's really Mm -hmm. and then you can pour it out um and I also think I have found that there are glazes that are hard to paint and I haven't tried this but I know that there's an additive that you can use to glaze to make it more brushable. Um, hmm. Let's so find out what that is. We I feel like, is it called something gum? I, I mean, gum? that's very painterly of you. Um, uh, I can't, <laughs> yeah, I can't. So, I, don't I don't know that I know any other gums. I've heard of, I've heard of that um, additive. Like with slip, it's, uh, what's that specific gravity and the additive to deflocculant darvan 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 yeah Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, i think it's something like that that makes it uh i don't know i need to go back to school yeah i know (laughs) i know well maybe that's what we're trying to do with this slip cast is just make a a little audio school so we'll try to figure out what it is and if anyone knows please yeah if we can find it we'll put it in the show notes or we'll do a little like extra little blip at the end of this episode with uh with that information and otherwise if we can't find it and you don't hear it in this episode and you don't see it you can send it our way because we all want to know clearly Um, we need it (laughs) we we need you listeners are here to educate us and that is why (laughs) no we're all learning together um 
Okay. Last thing that I want to talk about is collaborations. Cause I know, um, this is something that I reached out to you about, uh, I can't remember how long ago it was, but, um, I had been contacted by, um, anthropology to do a collaboration with them and in my mind it was like I was going to make the pieces and send it to them send those pieces to them um and I had never done a collaboration with a larger company and so I remember you had done a collaboration with them and remember reaching out to you to hear about the experience that you had and I I know you've done some other collaborations I think with Urban Outfitters and stuff like that and I'd love to hear about like how that went, um, you know, the the pitfalls, the pluses, mm-hmm. all of those things, like things that it might have brought to your work in terms of maybe exposure, but also I know I contacted you for certain reasons where I was like, is this, are they, do I want to work with this company? So I'd love to hear your take mm-hmm. on that if you want to share. Yeah, and I can't that. remember, did you do a collection with them? I didn't do it because it? I... Um, I remember talking to you and it was right around the time where you were doing the vases with anthropology Mm -hmm. and I had seen them online and um, Oh yeah. Yeah. Spoiler. I don't want to spoil it, but there was something that was like a little off with it. So I didn't end up doing it. And about a week later, there was an artist that also on Instagram had shared that they had completely ripped off her designs. Um, Mm -hmm. So I want to hear about your experience with that. And like, if you also, think you would be open to doing other collaborations with other companies in the future if it's something yeah you know well I will say I will never work with anthropology again and I will never encourage someone else to just because I don't think they are in it for supporting artists and and yeah and and really um but I I had I've had three experiences working with that company in general one was with anthropology, the first one, and it went really well in the sense that I had no idea what I was doing. And it did bring me a lot of exposure. Like their audience was the type of audience that would enjoy my work and would turn around and maybe buy something else that I've made from my site or Mm -hmm. follow me or just, you know, know who I am because yeah, and support that, that collaboration. Um, and, and it, I think it, it was so stressful. I mean, it was, I was in my basement studio. It was, I think within the first year of me going full-time, I think probably within the first six months of me being like a full-time ceramicist. And I remember I like, I had this tiny apartment in Omaha and I had trays and trays of ring dishes, like under my bed and in under the couch. And like, <laughs> like I, I didn't have the room for the, the mass of things I was supposed to be making. Yeah. And then you have to like, I had to package every dish individually yeah. so that when an order came in on their website, someone in their warehouse could just like grab it drop ship yeah. that thing and get it out the door and did so, they send you boxes or did you have to get one? I had to get that wow. and you know they're buying it at at wholesale cost yeah. so it's like way lower but the quantity was high so I was like okay yeah I think I can like make and you know at the first that was so early that it was like thrilling and it was yeah how do you those, say now yeah, yeah, like those experiences you know that, yeah. were what I was looking for and and trying to to see through and um, what year was and this? same. Did you say that? Do you I think it was twenty 
13. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty exciting, honestly, in 2013 as small businesses. Like, yeah. 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 It was like right after I had an Etsy feature and and the woman who I worked with at Anthropology had found me through Etsy. Oh, okay. Um, And so that, I will say that one went really well. Yeah. If I were to do that project now, I would probably just say no to it because it was so much work and yeah and just eh, too much work um and then I did a part a thing with Urban Outfitters and Mm. um that one was a smaller batch so it was like 10 mugs 10 planters Mm -hmm. 20 ring dish you know it was like it was such a more doable scale of Mm -hmm. an order and they hired a photographer to like come to my studio and they had this big blog post and so it felt like a worthy, like a worthwhile, um, prod, uh, collaboration because yeah. they were putting so much into like the story featuring behind it and, and yeah. yeah. And then featuring it. And so that one went really well. Um, and then it, the vase one that you're talking about, um, yeah. this is the one that didn't go so well. And so this one was, they wanted to, and it's so funny how they've evolved because it uh-huh. started as they've they've worked directly with artists yeah and my my hands made those dishes and I stamped those pots and that's what I had assumed too when they contacted me and then yeah yeah and so now they're they're approaching me about a a collection of work that they would have produced at a factory Mm -hmm. and I was like huh like and and this is when I had I had these two business partners and they were like this is the direction that they wanted me to take my business was to like have my things produced in China and shipped over here and I would sell it. And, and to be the face of the brand. Yeah. I would design the thing, but I would never, I would stop making the thing. And I just remember being like, that's why like the fun of it is. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Uh, But they were all like money, money, money. Like, you know, it's, yeah, it, it was so strange. So yeah, the anthropology thing was, um, you know, they would send it off. And I, I remember I was kind of proud of myself for thinking these thoughts because I was just so, it felt like so such a foreign collaboration. Like I was like, I yeah. don't even know how this works. Like, yeah. um, and I was like, I, I want to know what factory yeah. you're working with. And like, I don't want to be part of some, you know, five cents an hour type of yeah. mass yeah. production thing I I want it to be um like I was trying to push them to have it made in USA Mm -hmm. it was I think it was made in Portugal or something um and so there were a lot of things that they wouldn't budge on and I was like well whatever they like and I had seen other ceramic artists do it um working with them and and their pieces were beautiful and I was like I think like let's give it a go and and all I had to do was make I mean I made probably like 15 prototypes. Right. And they, they picked three. So it yeah. was like pretty easy work on my end. Um, and we had a, a contract and, you know, it was supposed to be branded as the object enthusiast and anthropology. Yeah. And I think it was also a limited, uh, not limited quantities, but limited time that they could make that work from what I remember, yes. at least, it was like you make the prototype. Um, they don't pay you royalties on it. It's a contract of like they can make Except, your work for two years. 
yeah and sell it yeah. for two years and then yeah some like, more exclusivity then. yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah yes. and so they um it, this also feels so long ago so I'm kind of like <laughs> yeah. winding back in my memory yeah. um so on you I think you Claire, you're the person who told me that these Yeah, because they had contacted me. It was literally when I was moving across the country. This Okay, so it was two years ago because I was moving across the country. And the first day that we were in the car driving, I got an email. I was in the passenger seat, got an email from Anthropology saying, we really like these vases. We want to do a collaboration with you. And I literally like almost screamed in the car. Mm-hmm. I didn't because... I'd probably be dead because yeah. I don't want to shock the driver. But I assume I was like, you were yeah. driving. Yeah. Good no, thing you I driving. was so <laughs> excited. I was like, holy shit. I feel legit as a ceramicist. Mm-hmm. Like anthropology likes my work. And I remember writing an email right back to her saying like, sure, I'd love to hop on a phone call. And then I ended up talking to uh, um, somebody on their team at anthropology during our trip. It was about, I don't know, 10 days across the country. And then, um, there were a couple things where I was like, mm, this doesn't feel right. One was the manufacturing. It was also how much they were planning on paying me even just for the yeah. pipes. And they kept on asking me about even other items. So I was like, okay, well, ha- do you know what you want? And, um, and so I started looking on the Urban Outfitters website along with the Anthropology website to see what other artists they had worked with. And you were one of them. And I think we had already talked maybe once or twice on Instagram or maybe more, I don't know, mm-hmm. um, through DMs or comments. And so I remember reaching out to you and saying like, hey, I want to, I see that you've worked with them. I want to hear about your experience. And at that point, um, you were like, yeah, it's been good. Like, you know, I've got my stuff manufactured. Um, it's a set of vases and I had been actively on the anthropology site looking for people's ceramicist work and even non-ceramicist just to see Mm -hmm. like people that I had talked to. Um, and I remember seeing your pieces on the site live. And so I reached back out to you, like, I think two days after we had talked saying, Mm -hmm. Hey, by the way, congrats on (laughs) these vases launching. And you literally... I mean, I had no idea. Yeah. Like I, in the contract, it said like, I get final say on prototypes and, and they would send, I, and I told them, I was like, pictures aren't enough. Like I need to see and hold the prototype before I commit to it. Like I need, Mm -hmm. I need to see it and feel it. And, um, they had agreed to that. And then it was like, okay, so I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. And I hadn't even received the prototypes. I, I hadn't seen a final image of these pieces and they were already online. That is so wild. Then this gets Mm -hmm. even. Yeah. It gets even better. Wilder. Um, (laughs) I mean, worse. They finally send me the, the prototypes and it is the worst packing job I've ever seen in my life. I'm surprised that these weren't broken when I got them. The box looked like it had been run over by a car. Um, It was just, and barely padded. They were just like, with brown paper like thrown in a box all three of them together like clanking around and um when I pulled them out of the box my logo wasn't on any of them and I was just like and so that's the whole that's the whole thing for me like the reason I said yes to this project was like and I wish I would have stuck to my like yeah yeah, like I had those feelings of like okay I want to know more about this 
um, factory. And I want to know, like, I, I wanted to be involved in the process and yeah. I wasn't at all part of that. And to the point where they, once I confronted them about the logo being on the bottom, I was so kind about it. I was like, yeah. is there any chance that maybe it was just these prototypes or is it yeah. like all of them? <laughs> and in my eyes, I'm also like, why did you make all of them if you're just now sending yeah. me the prototype? Yeah. And so, you know, I'm, I'm heartbroken because the, the, the thing that made me say yes to this project was, okay, my name will be on the bottom of every single piece that they produce. And so even if my hands didn't make it, um, the person who buys it will notice that, that you it's designed from it. me. Yeah. yeah. And, and might follow up and, you know, explore more of what I have to make. And, um, so that was off the table. And and when I told him, I was like, okay, well, you guys broke the contract, so you can't sell these. Like this yeah. good for you. A sticker, a sticker's not gonna do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they were like, so then they guilted me and they were like, Well, we've already produced this whole line. So if you're telling us we can't sell them, these are all just gonna go in a dumpster and you should feel horrible about that. And I was just like, Oh my god, like right. Oh, we now like, send them to me. I had heard I'll that stamp part them all. Oh. Yeah, like I'll I'll sell them myself. <laughs> cross out anthropology with a sharpie, and I'll just add my name on the bottom. Oh I, I wish. So it did have anthropology on the bottom, just not oh, yeah. your name. Oh yeah, they didn't oh, my forget God. their. They didn't forget their name. They just. Oh my God. That's the crazy forgot thing is they mine. didn't forget theirs, but they forgot her. I mean, wow. And wow, I sent wow, them wow, wow. like when I signed the contract, I sent them my logo. I sent them all all the digital things that they needed yeah. to to add that. Um, and so I now like I I ended up getting paid a lot more for that project. That was their like sorry. Um, but then other shady stuff was happening where I was seeing these vases on Nordstrom. I was seeing them all over. And originally I had, when I confronted them about the logo not being on it, I was like, well, how many did you produce? Make. And they told me a number and I, I don't remember what it was, but then, um, and they told me they were like, <laughs> they were like, they made, special signage with my logo on it for the ones that were in stores at places. And I was like, that's Mm. not enough. Like Mm -mm. maybe the shopper will notice it in the moment, but they're not going to remember it. They're going to take the tag off. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to take that sticker tag off, whatever. And so I, I called because someone found them at um, the anthropology here in Kansas city. Mm -hmm. And they had told me that they weren't going to be, selling them in stores it was just an online exclusive so that they would link to me and all this other stuff Mm. and someone found it at a store and then it was on Nordstrom's website and so I was able to contact um the person who worked at my local anthropology here and I was like I'm interested in buying like I just I didn't say who I was I was just like I'm I want to buy more of these spaces and you don't have any here and she was like, oh, well, I can get in our back end system and see how many, like where they're in stock. She was able to give me a number of how many total were in stock. And like, 
it was way more than they had originally told me that they'd even produced. Oh, what? Oh my God. And then I'm seeing them on Nordstrom.com. Oh my God. And I'm just like, oh, okay. You like, oh, shit. wow, that was yeah. very, very clever. Yeah. So it, it just became this like, you guys are liars and you're going to make so much money off of this. Like yep. each base was like, like the big one was like 80 something. And yep. I think the smallest one was 40 something. Yeah. So I'm like, you've, you've made so much money off of my design. And I made, I think I total, I made like three grand and that was even with like, yeah. I mean, there was the just compensation was for unreal, yeah. like yeah. just so unfair. And, and I've never spoken about it on Instagram mm-hmm. and now it feels like too late because yeah. I also, I had, I had the prototypes and I have one of them left because a couple of customers have come into my store and they're like, oh, I love that. Can I buy it? And I end up telling them the whole story. I'm like, right. okay, look, this is the price. This is the price that you just pay so you know for buying yeah. this face. I just want you to know. And they're they're always like outraged. And they're like, yeah. oh, I would I'll never shop in anthropology. And um, one of my one lady made me like sign the bottom of it in Sharpie mm-hmm. and like we we had this big dramatic like crossing out of anthropology and <laughs> uh, so it's just I have one of the prototypes left and I've thought about like and and the other part of this this is kind of unrelated to how shady anthropology is like it resembled my work but it didn't feel like and and it 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 left a lot to be desired for me as, as a representation. And so in the yeah. end, I was like, I'm kind of glad my name's not on this. Like, yeah, I, I don't have to be even in the photo and being like, I don't know. It had luster on it from what I remember. And it just seemed a little bit like, I don't know. It wasn't as they were striped. Colors weren't as beautiful. Yeah. The colors, yeah. none of the stripes dripped or moved or yeah. had that like organic one-of-a-kind feel the way yeah. mine do because I am actually doing it by hand and right. um yeah so that I I should maybe consider talking about it more but um well it's out now it's out yeah. now so when this People episode can listen comes to out, it yeah you can hear the whole story and you won't even yeah. need to write a caption you'll just be like I know. if you want to learn more about this <laughs> that'll be my little teaser i'll be like oh you want to hear my story about working how terrible yeah. that was yeah because yeah. it's hard it's hard to call out larger companies especially in an instagram post like i appreciate mm-hmm. the people that do it but then it seems like you always want more information. You want more information, yeah. but also as the person posting it, you feel like you might, then all of a sudden you might have to like babysit your Instagram and see who, who's mm-hmm. comment what. And it just becomes something that's like, at this point you're over it and you've. Made, oh, yeah. Um, so, like I forgot, I forgot that you saw them before I even yeah. knew they were I, like, so I, I really. Before you even had the prototype. Before yeah, you even I had the prototype. And I remember you then following up with me and I was like, God, thank fucking God. I got in touch. With you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. That's some unreal yeah. timing. Yeah, yeah. It was, it, it was incredible. I mean, I think that's, what's so cool about having a community and like going back to talking about like taking pause and thinking about like, what, what do I want my business to be in? What direction do I want it to go in? Like you can allow yourself to take a moment and then reach out to other people within our, we have such a community of small businesses that have experienced all of these things in the past and might have some knowledge to share. So like, Mm -hmm. I 
truly appreciate the fact that like you were willing to talk to me about your experience and then that you followed up with me because I dodged a bullet. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And thanks for being so open with us here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it was one of those things like when I had the good experience with them, I had also heard about terrible experiences or other people's terrible experiences and, and then just blatantly stealing designs from artists and designers and um so I, I I was always wary of like yeah and and that is part of the you know small business especially when you're young and you're kind of new to you're just figuring things out um there's a thrill that comes with being noticed yeah. by a big company mm-hmm. and then there's a part that you just you have no idea until you see it or experience it or you know yeah yeah what the trade-off actually is yeah yeah and I'm sure that there are people out there that have had wonderful experiences with them too I'm this is not to Mm -hmm. say that like you know you shouldn't be working with larger companies but just watch your back yeah (laughs) yeah you know um and and try to get like testimonials from other people who have worked with those companies and right before you decide to go for it yeah um well, do we have any last parting thoughts? Is there anything wanna, you want to talk about or ask Amy or Emily if there's anything that you want to like, I don't know, pitch, like plug? They say plug. I don't like that word in podcast language. I, I we got to find another. Is there a note that you want to slip under the door? Like, hey, guys. <laughs> oh, I mean... I have one more question. Um, I wanted to ask your other co-founding, the Accrue Project, um, what exactly is that about? And is it going to be part of your new space? Yeah, so that is my boyfriend and I. We kind of created this. um, We have a website and an Instagram. It's the Accrue Project, E-K-R-U. and it's it's really just our initials like mashed together. <laughs> but oh, cool. um, we are, you know, it's kind of a curatorial space. Uh, we're sharing artists and designers. Um, originally, we talked about starting a podcast. We haven't gotten that far yet. Um, and maybe with this new space, it will transition that way. Uh, we've done a few interviews with artists on our website. Cool. Um, and we have a few more in the works. And, you know, our Instagram is just kind of curating artists and designers work both modern and past and mm-hmm. um it it's like it's kind of just our space to share the things that inspire us and it's it's less about the things we do it's more about um the artists who we love their work and and want to see more of it or share it with everyone else and um we are hoping to start like some you know, we have a, we have another Etsy shop that we're doing for some vintage stuff and we would like to design, collaborate together and design some furniture pieces and, and, um, more industrial objects mm-hmm. as part of the Echo project. So it's very much evolving. Um, it's, it's no moneymaker. It's really just us sharing like a passion we love and yeah. yeah and, and what really kind of lights our fire when it comes to art and design and um you know it's so funny when when he and I started dating you know he's a painter and is very involved in the kind of gallery and um artist visits and he he does a lot of that where I'm like 
I sell individual pieces on my website and at art fairs and craft shows and whatever. And um, when I met him, I was like, you know, I, I admire what you do. And I'm interested now in exploring, like, I would love to have work in a gallery or mm -hmm. make more one of a kind sculptural or painterly pieces. And he was like, wow, I'm the opposite. Now I want to, I want to make production <laughs> work and I want to set up an Etsy shop. And, um, so we both kind of inspired each other mm -hmm. with what we do and our background in being an artist. Um, and so now this, this kind of website that we share and we haven't updated it recently, but we, now that we're getting settled at the new studio, we've both agreed that it's time to kick it up a couple notches, but um yeah it's just kind of there is so much uh it's so easy to get kind of drowned in the mundane yeah. and I think having a, a platform and an avenue to share and talk about something that's purely just art for art's sake and not part of a business or mm -hmm. your livelihood it's really just like this is beautiful and the way it's made is insane and so interesting and the art the story of the artist behind that thing is really fascinating and um we want to share that and also hear it for the first time and understand it as we research it and so yeah we're we're growing the ecru project day by yes, day i'll listen to that podcast cool yeah, yeah. Maybe, we'll, <laughs> maybe we'll interview you i'm admiring your your microphones because he yeah. is like, we, we have to get a real setup before we can start interviewing people. So well, I was like, well, yeah. yeah, it's, we did, uh, just a little bit of research. It's not, it's not a crazy investment. No, it, looks it doesn't, really, it doesn't yeah. have to be, it doesn't have yeah. to be. Yeah. It looks very official. So I'm, I'm <laughs> we're budget official. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're on a budget. We'll send you a link to it. Yeah. Um, yeah, any last things that you want to mention, Emily, before we say goodbye you to... You know, I, it's just so nice. Sometimes it's really nice to to get to talk to you or to anyone about your full story and yeah. instead of, like, your to-do list for the next couple of weeks. And mm -hmm. it's been really nice for me to get to, like, go down memory lane and mm -hmm. talk about Yoshi and talk about the beginnings of my business and, and truly see, sometimes you don't see how far you've come when you're yeah. stuck in the day-to-day -day stuff. So I'm so grateful for the opportunity to talk to both of you and to share something that I don't talk about every day and, yeah. you know, kind of gets stuffed away as a memory and mm -hmm. it's really fun. And it, it's a good reminder for me to like, look at what I'm doing now and look at what I used to be doing and and how far it's come and how much I've grown from going through all that. So thank you. <laughs> thank, thank you. you. Thank yeah. you for the time. To... It was such a great conversation. I'm yeah. super excited to see all the projects and, yeah. you know, whatever you're working on. It all sounds, sounds like you're planting a lot of seeds. So mm -hmm. it, that's exactly what it feels like. Um, so thank you. And I'm excited for the future of this podcast and Yay. all your future interviews. I like <laughs> I I don't listen to music that much in the studio. I listen to podcasts and audiobooks and I'm at that point where I'm like 
oh, I need something new. Like I need more, yeah. give me more things to listen to. So <laughs> we're working on it. Thanks for that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Thank you. Yeah. It's been great. And thank you also for sharing all of those stories. Cause you know, it's so hard to know more about the person behind the products behind the Instagram sort of like sleek sort of facade. Mm -hmm. And so I hope that, I mean, for me, it's been really nice to hear about your story. Um, cause I would not have known. And I think for a lot of the listeners, like it just, it's nice to realize that the people that you follow are like real and grounded and they're all trying, they're all trying to put mm -hmm. out this like body of work, but we all have, other things to share and mm -hmm. where we have so much more depth. So thank you for, yeah. for sharing all of those things with us. Yeah. I mean, it be... also feels good to talk through the disasters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we're all ceramicists. So disasters, we can cope with disaster pretty well. So, you Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> rule, rule number one is like, don't get attached. Yeah. Don't get attached. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, That's thank cool. you so much. And um, maybe down the road, we'll do another one of these and we'll catch up and see where you're at and hear more about um, your shop and the Acre project and duet and all of that stuff. So I'm excited to see the evolution as well. I can't wait. Well, yeah. thank you for having me. And this yeah. was a lot of fun. So yeah, cool. Well, everybody, thanks for tuning in and listening to this interview with Emily Reinhardt of The Object Enthusiast. And go check her work out on Instagram. Go check out her work on her website. Just follow along. Um, she is an amazing person and makes amazing work. And we will talk to you or we'll talk yeah we'll talk to you we'll talk, we'll talk, at, talk you at, at you next yeah time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah thanks everyone all right bye bye, bye. thank you for listening to the